Biola. Welcome back to another episode of Biola Backstage. Today, we are so fortunate to have the one and only Dr. Lockett on the podcast. Now, Dr. Lockett is an undergraduate New Testament faculty member where he is passionate about displaying godly wisdom and teaching, writing and service, and equipping individuals for life and ministry. Dr. Lockett has written several books of his own, is published in many articles and reviews, and has contributed to the research and writings of various theological texts. And without further ado, welcome to the Biola Backstage podcast, Dr. Lockett. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Thanks. That's kind of you to say all those things. Glad to be here. (laughs) I'm so glad. Alrighty. So I have a few questions I've compiled to ask you. Mm -hmm. The first one being, can you tell us a little bit about your journey that called you, first of all, to becoming um, a Bible teacher and then eventually led you here to Biola? Yeah, great question. So, um, not going back all the way to I was born, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, several years ago I was uh, in college. I was at the Baylor University, and um, so the cat is already out of the bag. I've talked about this in my classes, but I was failing out of <laughs> university at the time. <laughs> was not doing very well. Uh, the truth of it is, is that I was more interested in playing my guitar and worshiping than I was mm-hmm. interested in going to class. Uh, which maybe learn from my mistake, guys go to class. Um, but uh, God was really convicting me. I, f- I felt very strongly, um, if the Lord returned today, I didn't want him to find me unfaithful, uh, mm. not not um, you know, communicating the gospel to others. So so I, I, I left school in the midst of you know not doing very well, and I worked with a group called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, uh, for some time. Uh, the beginning of that time, I had some training, and we found ourselves in a mission in Romania uh, mm-hmm. for over a month. So, th- And this was back just after the revolution had happened there. Some violence had happened uh, about a year before we were there. So it was a pretty intense time, and we were one of the first Christian groups into Romania at this time. So we were in a city called Brasov, and I remember I brought my guitar, and you know we would sing out uh, in the middle of the town, and instantly two, three hundred people would show up, and they'd be listening to us, and we would communicate a, a, a clear and simple gospel message. We we handed out about two thousand New Testaments uh, in Romanian in the first couple of days, and uh, w- what happened is um, many, many people prayed to receive Christ and follow Jesus, mm-hmm. and our mission that was evangelistic quickly turned into a mission of discipleship because we didn't know where these people could go to grow in Christ, to find fellowship, to find a, a church that they really could uh, be served in. Mm-hmm. So here I am, a 19-year-old, and I'm put in charge of discipleship for an entire apartment complex. Wow. And for the next you know month, month and a couple weeks, I'm, I'm meeting uh, several times a week with people in this apartment complex trying to help them grow in Christ. And here's the thing. I was, uh, I was at the right place at the right time with the wrong training. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to help these people grow. I kept saying things like, Jesus loves you. Let's, let's read John 3.16. And I don't know what else to say. And I felt such an incredible conviction at that moment and a real... A burden, you know, Jesus. I'm trying to be faithful, and I and I want to work in your kingdom. I, f- I sense a call, uh, but I need training. I need to know more. So that was a pivotal kind of moment mm. where um, 
I had zeal or I had desire and I sense God's calling and here are real needs that people um, are experiencing, but I, but I don't have the right training. That drove me to go back to school. That was a really hard thing to do, having not had success and thinking this is a weakness of mine, difficult. Mm-hmm. I find school very difficult. Um, but that uh, compelled me to go back to the University of Kansas. I, Instead of failing out, I did very well there. And it wasn't that I had a different brain or different intelligence, but it was motivation and a call. I sensed that the Lord was calling me to ministry, to be prepared so that mm-hmm. when if or when I experienced that moment again, uh, I, I would be ready. I would know the scriptures. I would know uh, the Lord better such that I could uh, serve in that kind of way. So that propelled me through University of Kansas and into seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, and while in seminary, fast forward, I'm married and we have one kiddo and we're we're there at seminary thinking, okay, it's missions, man. Yeah. We're going back to Europe. We, we want to help plant churches. We want to help uh, uh, strengthen ministry. Um, talking with one of my professors there, giving this kind of vision and mm-hmm. experience in ministry. And he just looked at me and he said, you, you need a PhD to do that. You need, you need a terminal degree to, to do that with any kind of longevity. If you want a long, uh, sustained ministry in mm-hmm. uh, uh, preparing people, training pastors, planting churches, you, you need a PhD. Man, I looked at my wife and I thought, that is so discouraging. I don't want to do more school. That really disoriented us. I remember leaving that meeting kind of crying, uh-huh. thinking, Lord, what are you doing? I thought this was the call. I thought the call was to international missions and planting churches and uh, training training pastors. So th- that was a bit of a turn or a fork in the road. And after a, you know finishing seminary a couple years later, praying about this, it... it it became apparent that this was the path that God was leading us on. And instead of uh, doing international missions, we spent three years in Scotland, uh, me studying for a Ph.D. while I was pastoring a church along the side. So wow. that ended up not how we thought, um, but that uh, compelled me. And, and those moments in seminary that kind of confirmed that um, I just wasn't satisfied with all the um, study that I had already experienced um, mm-hmm. It really turned into this fruitful and uh, theologically rich time in, in, in Scotland studying. And, and then while at Scotland, I met a guy named Mickey Clink. And mm-hmm. Mickey Clink ended up being a professor here at Biola for a while. And that's how I uh, came here. My friend Mickey got here in 2005. And in 2006, he called me and said, hey, we've got a job here at Biola. And, and I knew already that he had loved this place. This was a place where... You know, both students and faculty were passionate about the gospel and wanted to do good work, both academically and, you know, for the kingdom. And I thought, man, that's that's the kind of place I, I could see myself because I want to see uh, people sent into mission, whether it's they're in business or in nursing or they're going overseas. Um, mm. And that's so I I couldn't see it way back there in Romania that this would be the way I'm training uh, ministers or training people into ministry or helping disciple people, but it, yeah, it's taken on a different kind of uh, yeah. uh, image. But but that that moment of service and then kind of failing to serve 
I think has has brought me to this place, and I'm so you know glad for all the twists and turns along the way. But that's right. kind of the thumbnail sketch story. <laughs> wow, that's incredible! It really is a testament to many are the ways of man, but it's yeah. the Lord's plan that prevails. Yeah, isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there has to be surrender all along that way too, because you, mm. you have in your mind, like I remember in that professor's office at seminary, thinking, "Wait, I've I've already." I know what this is going to look like, yeah. and and I need to go that direction. And the Lord was saying, "No, it it looks a little different than that." Mm. And so there's like moment by moment, step by step, several moments along the way. There are these moments of surrender. Oh, okay, Lord, I once again say, "You you know best." Mm-hmm. And I had a plan, but yeah, you're uh, you're directing my steps here, and yeah. I and I surrender. And that's hard, mm-hmm. even when it's a good thing. Yeah. That can be hard. So definitely. I have a question for you actually about that word surrender because, um, you know, like I've, let's say, planned out my future three years in advance or five years in advance mm-hmm. and I want to do this and I know that I want to be this. And how do you like get to that place of surrender? Because like I know for my part and many students here that that word surrender is so talked about and it's thrown around. But like, how do you find that like humility to just surrender you know so surrender and submission are very similar words Mm -hmm. and uh, surrender is a little easier to swallow than submit Um, so a couple things come to mind Um, I I really like um, the general letters of the Catholic epistles that's James through Jude and Mm -hmm. so a passage from James uh, comes to mind um, and the passage from First Peter comes to mind but James in chapter 4 talks about merchants and it's this group of people who um, it, it's not necessarily the creation of wealth that James is uh, challenging but the, the attitude because these merchants say oh come we will go to this place and mm-hmm. we will stay there this long and we will do this kind of business and we'll be successful uh, notice the arrogance mm-hmm I know where I'm going. I know how long I'm going to be there. I know exactly what I'm going to do while I'm there. I am going to be successful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it doesn't take you very long to live your life like that to figure out you actually don't know how long you're going to be there. You actually don't know if you're going to be successful or not. Mm-hmm. And that's exposed pretty quickly as arrogance. Uh, theologically or as a Christian, I think what's exposed there is you're trying to be the creator when you are actually a creature. Mm. And that is the, the, uh, the source of a lot of sorrow and heartache mm-hmm. where we try to be the captain of, of our own fate, you know, that where we, we try to be our own creator. In fact, you know, get all nerdy and talk about the enlightenment here, but I mean, <laughs> there's a whole series of, you know, human uh, learning and education and such, uh, where where we think that we are more than we really are. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in control of more than what we are. I can decide. I can decide uh, my future. I can decide who I do business with. I can decide what I look like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna change my body uh, mm-hmm. to to look like what I want to look like. See what I'm saying? We we try to take more and more and more control over things that actually we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. And so. How do you get to a point of surrender? Realize that God is the creator and that we are creatures. Mm -hmm. And that he, I mean, if we see a glimpse of his holiness, if we see his grandeur, if we see his beauty, we see his love, we see his mercy, Mm. 
then in the light of God's incredible holiness, we see ourselves. We begin to know ourselves. Oh, I'm actually not that much in control. And surrender, though hard, becomes the natural choice. Mm. Oh, Lord, I submit. I submit to you. You're a good God. Even those difficult things that you send my way, mm-hmm. even the trials. Again, here's James, right? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the trial of your faith works an enduring faith. God knows what that does in our lives. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard. I don't, I don't want to minimize that. But but who are we kidding? <laughs> yeah. Who are we fooling? And I, I catch myself at this all the time, though. Mm-hmm. I'm walking to class and I'm all stressed out and I'm thinking this depends on me. And then I realize, wait a second, Lord, I just need to be faithful. Yeah. Lord, help me be faithful. I surrender. You know, you've prepared me for this. Mm-hmm. You have you know, you know, directed my path through education and through, you know, training. Um, but Lord, I just need to be faithful in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, because I get afraid. I want to be seen as smart. I you know, my greatest fear in class, I, here I am broadcasting this to the world. My greatest fear in class is turning around and w- writing on the whiteboard and misspelling a word. That is like my greatest fear. And I'm and I'm writing on the board all the time and I'm misspelling things all the time. And students are saying, Lockett, uh, is there an E in that word? And I'm like, oh, I feel horrible. But that's a moment to surrender and just say, you know what? Um, it's not about people thinking I am this or that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dying to that or I'm surrendering. Yeah. It's it's about a job. It's about a calling. It's about what what God is leading me to. So yeah, you're asking the question about surrender or submission. First Peter talks about submission in several different ways in chapter two and the beginning of chapter three. It's a very helpful passage to think about. And mm-hmm. and Peter's greatest example in chapter two, verses twenty two uh, through twenty five, is Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, the most powerful being in the universe submits himself to his father's plan Mm. and does so with joy and submission to that plan is painful and it means the end of his life in one sense but the resurrection life in another so i mean what an example should i not also be expected to walk the path of surrender of submission submission to to the father's will Mm. uh because look at my lord that's the example he's given us first peter 2 so, yeah, it's a great question, and it's not easy. And again, I, I'm not trying to say say this in a way that minimizes the difficulty there, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you see God as creator in his holiness, and then this, the, the decision becomes pretty clear yeah. and maybe simple. Seriously, and I feel like as soon as you realize, you know, the need that, like, I need to surrender right now, that burden that you've been walking yeah. with for yeah. that month or that week, it suddenly gets so much lighter. Yeah. Because you've been trying to do it yourself. Yeah. You've been, and you've thought, I'm equal to this task. I right. can do it. Uh, and um, often, yeah, we're carrying things that we weren't meant to carry. And mm-hmm. so the idea of being a creature has been very helpful for me because, you know, I, I want to write or publish. And I, I, I think, well, I can stay up later. I can push harder. I can just do more. Yeah. And you know, spoiler alert, I'm old and my body has told me, yeah, you're not going to do that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because your body's going to get sick or <laughs> and I've, I've faced a couple of medical things yeah. and and it's made me think uh, I need to live as a creature. Mm-hmm. I need to live in surrender. Um, Sabbath, right? You know, uh, I go to Presbyterian church and we think a lot about Sabbath and mm-hmm. you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And I've always thought, oh man, that's a bummer. Come on. That's a, that's a burden. <laughs> 
but I'm thinking of the Sabbath as a blessing now. That's a blessing huh. to, to enter into creaturely rest. This is how God created me. I'm working against his created order when I fail to rest. Mm. And I don't mean just close your eyes or watch Netflix. <laughs> you see, because you can be, yeah. quote unquote, resting, but not resting. Right. Um, I mean spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. Um, order my day such that I am, yeah, physically resting, but I'm spiritually renewed by fellowship i'm renewed by scripture and worship by sacrament by mm. uh by the things that god has given to give us spiritual life so it's a it's an intentional resting mm-hmm. it's an attentive resting uh, but nonetheless it's a i'm putting aside my work mm. i'm putting aside that faithful thing that i'm called to do but it right. wears me out I'm, I'm putting that aside because the sabbath is what is necessary i struggle with that i'm talking a big game here but i <laughs> I, I need that, yeah. and I see it as a blessing. So yeah, so thinking about surrender is really for me thinking about being a creature, mm-hmm. and and a creature who worships the Creator. Yeah, uh, I think those are important. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing, and and I'm sure that a lot of surrender comes from um, knowing our Creator, and one of the best ways to know Him is to spend time with Him, of course, right? Yeah. If I want to get to know somebody, I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to take him out to coffee or, um, I don't know, give him a phone call or a FaceTime call. And, you know, I think it, it is a little similar to the Lord, like in order to learn how to surrender, um, in our purpose, you know, in his purpose, um, we need to spend time with him. And so I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say just about like quiet time in general, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm sure a lot of people here will count their Bible classes as their quiet time yeah. or, yeah. Um, have quiet time burnout because yeah. you're in this culture of, you know, maybe it feels like a camp high and then you're having a bad week and suddenly you're too busy to open up the word for your actual intimate quiet time life with Jesus. So I don't know. Do you have anything yeah. to say on quiet time? It's a great question. And uh, I, I think of a couple of things. So uh, so I'm a Bible professor here. I teach New Testament right. and um, every semester I have conversations with students about the very thing you're asking. I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible in my Bible classes, and um, that does one of two things. Number one, well, you know, it's like overkill. I'm, you know, I'm I'm already in the Bible for class. Does doesn't that count as a, a devotional kind of reading? Um, or another direction is um, I'm learning to read the Bible in a particular kind of way uh, in class to mm-hmm. think about history and literature and genre which are all really helpful things to understand Scripture well. But it's ruining my quiet time because mm-hmm. when I sit down to have devotional reading time in Scripture, I'm just thinking about these academic questions, and I no longer can hear God's voice, mm-hmm. and it becomes really dry, you know, what's happening. And uh, I might say in uh, transparency, uh, it's, it's bad enough for uh, Bible students uh, it's worse for Bible professors. I mean, I there's like an occupational hazard for a pastor or a, a Bible professor that this is my job. Mm-hmm. I am daily uh, dealing with Scripture, but I'm looking at it as a cadaver. I am using a scalpel to cut it open, to dissect it, to analyze it, to mm-hmm. chop it up into smaller pieces. Sorry, this image is getting gross. <laughs> Uh, but it's it but it's thinking about the Bible as an object yeah. that I, the studier, approach right. And this is more that you know I'm I can't read the Bible and hear God's voice anymore because mm-hmm. I'm learning to read it in a in a kind of a 
analytic way and that analysis is working against the you know devotion hearing god's uh god's word and i have struggled with this myself personally and uh come to realize that um the 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 word uh, scripture uh, is not an object and i am the subject mm. and i perform an autopsy mm-hmm. on this object as if it's dead right. <laughs> as, if it's, as if it's you know some object that i can uh put under my power or something like that um this word is the living incarnate word okay the bible's not alive right <laughs> you know the bible doesn't take on you know the pages right you know <laughs> do whatever um but Jesus is the incarnate word. And as I study scripture, I'm studying the incarnate word. This is not a thing that mm-hmm. I am analyzing. It is a, it is a who. Mm-hmm. It is a person. It is God himself who is revealing himself to me. So mm-hmm. that, that's like the moment of, wait, what am I doing? Uh, so there's this great illustration, this guy named um, Sir Edwin Hoskins. He taught at Cambridge in the uh, turn of the century, like in the 19-teens. Great quote. He says, you look through your critical microscope down at Scripture, you know, uh, analyzing it and thinking that, you know, you can tell it what to do. But you're surprised to see God waving a finger at you through the microscope saying, you're a sinner. (laughs) (laughs) And what he's saying there is uh, when we engage in Scripture and we open our hearts Mm -hmm. to hear God's voice, he speaks and he cuts through that moment of, you know, analysis. I think I'm, you know, uh, performing some kind of autopsy on uh, the Bible. Uh, and God is faithful to speak and to reveal himself. So that's like the one hand. The other hand, there's like a boredom with scripture or mm-hmm. there's a ho-hum or I've studied it in, in, in class. I, I pray before my classes, Spirit of God, uh, come and help us to do both this academic thing. Mm-hmm. So it's rigorous, it's intellectual, it's using our minds. But at the very same time, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to hear God's voice mm. calling us through these words. I'm convinced God created us brain and heart, mm. and they work together, not against each other. But in a modern academic climate, the head and heart are broken off from each other. The thing we're doing in class is an intellectual task that often is detached from a spiritual or an emotional kind of task Mm. that's not how god has made us to be i think in a christian school at biola we're reintegrating those things Mm -hmm. we're bringing those things back together and in our bible classes that's the quintessential moment where those things need to be brought together where we're at the same time and i don't i don't even know how to organize this in a class session like half and half i think we just move in and out of moments of a very careful, intellectual, academic, rigorous insight where we're doing difficult things and it takes work. Like, so come to class, ready to work, mm-hmm. write that paper, do this intellectual test that's difficult. But at the very same time, allow God to speak to us through the words that we're analyzing at the moment or even through the a- academic task that we're facing in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lack of integration yeah. that leads to this boredom with scripture oh i had my you know quiet time in you know in class so i don't need to read scripture again i think mm-hmm. that bleeds over into chapel as well i love chapel i speak at chapel sometimes yeah. but chapel's not church mm-hmm. um, y- y- at biola we are here with people a lot like us but at church we are with the body of christ mm-hmm. with um, elderly and infants and 
That's the body of Christ. That's where we hear the word of God preached. That's where we uh, receive the Lord's Supper and see baptism. That's that's where that's where we, we worship. So I hear you, Biola student. I've been to chapel twice this week. Why do I need to roll out of bed on a Sunday morning and go to church? Why? Well, that's because uh, uh, the church is the institution that Jesus Christ is using to transform the planet. Yeah. And I hope that your three, four, five years at Biola train you more than anything else to be a great member of the church, mm. a great participant in this body, both for you to serve and for you to be served in that community. Uh, so I see those as knock-on questions, or they, they connect yeah. to each other, the idea of, well, our, you know, I'm having my quiet time in class, or, well, I, you know, I don't need to go to church. I, you know, uh, I just went to chapel this week. Yeah. Um, so integrating those things, pulling, mm-hmm. pulling them together, at least that's one insight. Um, and, and the occupational hazard, well, just let's remember that we're not analyzing the text as if it's, as if it's a dead cadaver or something. Mm-hmm. We, we are dealing with the living God. And in fact, so those who go on to master's work, so it's a master of divinity, that's a degree that you can earn to become a pastor and such. Um, I always thought that was the stupidest title for the degree because <laughs> I don't master divinity. Right. If I think I have, I've misunderstood divinity. Uh-huh. It should be the mastered by divinity degree yeah. because it's the God with whom I have to deal. Mm-hmm. And if I know God, then I know I don't master him. I am the one, again, back to surrender. I'm the one who submits to his good pleasure, and that's where I find my greatest joy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, long-winded answer, but I don't know. I hope something in there is encouraging to folks. Hey, and the, maybe the last thing is just you're not alone. Yeah, You're not alone. If you're feeling that either, you know, I can't hear God's word because I'm I'm analyzing it, or I'm just bored with this, um, mm-hmm. you're not alone. I think that happens to all of us in a context like this. So let's talk about it. Let's be honest about it and, mm-hmm. and try to encourage each other. And it happens to Bible profs if we're honest too. Wow. That's super cool to hear just that it's not just us sometimes yeah. experiencing burnout, you know. And I'm thinking of um, – Maybe a student or somebody listening to this is like, so you're saying I have to go to class and learn all about the Bible and then to chapel and then go to church, then do my quiet time. Like, where's my free time? But I'm so drawn to just the fact that what we were talking about earlier, glorifying Jesus and how that's kind of our main purpose in life. And just like, but what a life lived, you know, to wake up singing songs to Jesus and go to bed praising him and just repeat it the next day. So this is totally sappy, but I've been married for 28 years, uh-huh. and I knew my wife uh, 10 years before that. So I've, I've known her almost my entire life. Um, I, I just went to Kansas City this weekend and was a couple days away from her. Uh, I miss her the moment I leave. Oh. When I wake up in the morning, she's the first person I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get tired of her. And I know this sounds totally sappy and you're smiling at me. And I I'm love not, it. And I'm not saying this to like, oh, so cool. No, I'm just, I love her. She cares for me. Mm-hmm. She, she is my best friend. We are partners in crime. I cannot think of life without her. And if that's how I think about my wife, how much should I think about my Lord? Mm-hmm. Like going to class, and going to chapel and going to church, okay, I get, get tired of going to places, but but I'm meeting with Jesus. I I am understanding His role in my life. It's it, I liken it unto my wife. I mean, when do I get tired of seeing her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we have, uh, 
we, we have some friends, we chat and, you know, chat with other people and where we hear, you know, the husband wants to spend all weekend playing video games with his buddies and the wife wants to go do something else. And Nicole and I would always scratch our heads. That's not how we want to spend our weekend. We've been working all week. All I want to do is hang out with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's kind of, I don't know, homebody or no, I love nerdy it. or something, but I, I, I just, I cannot fathom mm-hmm. uh, another way of approaching uh, our, our marriage. That's and then awesome. therefore that analogy so easily runs into um, if, if I've really understood uh, and experienced uh, the love of Christ for me and how it's like oxygen. I cannot live without, uh, without his sustenance. Uh, in my church tradition, we take the Lord's Supper often, and it's, it's because it's a means of grace. It, yeah. it nourishes us, and we talk about feasting on Christ. No, we're not eating the body and the blood <laughs> of Jesus. It's the spiritual yeah. presence of Jesus. But it's nurturing, and I get hungry. And through COVID, we couldn't do communion for mm-hmm. months. And I felt like I was starving mm-hmm. because it was a means of connecting to Jesus that I was, you know, withheld from. And so when we, in our parking lot, when the little, you know, uh, uh, things of communion. We finally had communion after months in the parking lot. I was bawling like a baby oh. because it's, you know, being reunited once again. I know I could connect to Christ through word and other means, but mm-hmm. the point I'm trying to make is is the question you ask. Yeah, we probably get burnt out and drawn away to other loves, mm-hmm. other things that look more bright and shiny. But I think there's the cultivation of the Christian life is that the deepest abiding attraction, the deepest abiding desire is a love for God to see who he is in the world and in my life and in other people's lives such that uh, every day, every moment, not because look at me, look at my strength, but mm-hmm. look at my deep need. Wow. Look, at, look at my hunger. Look, look at my inability. And that drives me to mm-hmm. the, the one who is able, the one who does fill my need, the one who is glorious, the one who does please the Father on my behalf. I'm preaching, but I mean... <laughs> but, we need that. But, yeah, and I, I need it too. I'm preaching to myself. Yeah. Uh, but this, yeah, this is the compelling vision of Jesus that, that attracts us, draws us to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I could go on, I'm sure we both could, for hours <laughs> talking about this, but... Um, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll ask, I'll wrap up with this last question, but what is one piece of advice that you have for Biola students? Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, a lot of things come to my mind. I guess this is a a short moment in life. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of life that comes after this and it's hard to see maybe, you know, as you're growing up, you think, man, four years is a long time, but actually this is a really, really short period of time. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's a lot of things to get involved in here. So I guess the last thing I want to say is do everything because, boy, that would that could really wear you out. Um, instead of do everything, I guess maybe the advice is just um, really be here. Mm. Really be here. And what do I mean? I have lived a lot of my life thinking about what comes next. And, I, you know, that's helped me. Uh, it's served me in some ways. Um, but I find I struggle being present right where I'm at. Mm. Um, Sometimes I'm talking to somebody and I'm thinking about a conversation I'm having later that day or it's something I need to get to. Um, And and I think that's not faithful. I haven't been faithful. And so the conviction for me has been, Lord, help me to be attentive to the fact that you're present right now Mm -hmm. and you are calling me to be with this person right now. 
help me be fully present here and learn uh, and share uh, all that I need to learn and share right in this moment. And so four years here, you could be thinking about marriage, you could think about career, what comes next, or or be frustrated with why isn't it going faster? And man, when COVID comes along, why did that happen in the midst of my experience? But be fully here. Soak up what it is that God has for you here. Even if it's that English class that you kind of hate or, Mm -hmm. you know, that gen ed that you're just scratching off the list, it means something. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of what God is doing in your life right now. Um, so be here. I think a lot of Biola students have that disposition, and, and they're, they're richer for it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe I'm giving myself advice here. <laughs> yeah, be, be fully present where you're at and, wow. and soak it up what it is that God is doing uh, because he's, he's at work. Uh, mm-hmm. He's at work uh, calling you to his, himself, to his service. Um, and the best we can do, be a creature and surrender to it. Wow. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure that this... Uh, just talk about surrendering and quiet time and what it looks like to be here right now is going to meet a lot of people where they're at. And um, I'm, I'm sure the Spirit's going to work through this. So yeah, thank you so. so much, Dr. Lockett, for being on this podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. My privilege. Of course. And to all you students, thank you so much for tuning in to Biola Backstage. It has been a pleasure talking with Dr. Lockett. Once again, I'm Hayden Avakian, your host, and we will see you in two Fridays. Mm-hmm.